Thanks for listening to the Revival Today podcast with evangelist Jonathan Shuttlesworth. To stay connected, check us out on Instagram, Facebook, or online at revivaltoday.com. Now, here's evangelist Jonathan. Well, almost halfway through 21 Days of Prayer and Fasting, I'm Jonathan Shuttlesworth coming to you live from Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Yes, live, so no one has to ask in the comments. Uh, I know it's nowhere near Mesa, Arizona, but I saw Hector on YouTube say, uh, Hector, Arizona Real Estate and Finance, good morning from Mesa, Arizona. Can you keep your eyes open for church property for me in Kingman, Arizona, just as a favor? Let me know if anything pops up, anything that's zoned church, any churches that are for sale. <clears throat> Actually, let me just crowdsource the whole thing. Wow, I've got a lot of people watching already. Nice to have you on. If you see any nice churches, not dilapidated churches, any nice churches pop open, let me know. I'm interested. Uh, I'm interested. Daniel chapter 10. Today is prayer and fasting day nine, examining what fasting unlocked in the Bible. Now, let's go and see what, what fasting and prayer did. I want to start in Judges 2026. 20, You're doing a 6 a.m. to 6 p.m. fast. How many of you have been doing that? I know we have, uh, I don't know what registration is at right now. I know we're up over 4,000, and most of you have been doing that. So this is the one we based it on, Judges 20, 26. Actually, I'll start a little above that. Judges 20, 26. Sorry, I'm going to go above that. Let's start at verse 1. Then all the Israelites were united as one man from Dan in the north of Beersheba in the south. I bet of all the tribes of Israel, Dan was the coolest, because Dan just sounds cool. So we're from the tribe of Dan. Including those from across the Jordan and the land of Gilead, the entire community assembled in the presence of the Lord at Mizpah. The leaders of all the people and all the tribes of Israel, 400,000 warriors armed with swords, took their position in the assembly of the people of God. Word soon reached the land that Benjamin and the other tribes had gone up to Mizpah. The Israelites then asked how this terrible crime had happened. The, Le- the Levite, the husband of the woman who had been murdered, said, My concubine and I came to spend the night in Gibeah, a town that belongs to the people of Benjamin. That night, some of the leading citizens of Gibeah surrounded the house, planning to kill me, and they raped my concubine until she was dead. Yikes. Not a great scripture to start the morning with. So I cut her body into 12 pieces. Bunch of psychopaths. Those are quite the two verses. They raped my concubine until she was dead, so I cut her body into 12 pieces and sent the pieces throughout the territory assigned to Israel. For, for these men had committed a terrible and shameful crime. Now then, all of you, the entire community of Israel, must decide here and now what should be done about this. <clears throat> what a lady. She, her friend got raped to death, so she decided to cut her body into 12 pieces and FedEx it to the different tribes. All the people rose to their feet in unison and declared, None of us will return home. No, not one of us. Instead, this is what we will do to Gibeah. We will draw lots to decide who will attack it. One-tenth of the men from each tribe will be chosen to supply the warriors with food, and the rest of us will take revenge on Gibeah of Benjamin for the shameful thing they have done in Israel. So all the Israelites were completely united, and they gathered together to attack the town. The Israelites sent messengers to the tribe of Benjamin, saying, What a terrible thing has been done among you. Give up those evil men those troublemakers from Gibeah, so we can execute them and purge Israel of this evil. But the people of Benjamin would not listen. Instead, they came from their towns and gathered at Gibeah to fight the Israelites. In all, 26,000 of their warriors, armed with swords, arrived in Gibeah to join the 700 elite troops who lived there. Among Benjamin's elite troops, 700 were left-handed and eat And each of them could sling a rock and hit a target within a hair's breadth without missing. Israel had 400,000 experienced soldiers armed with swords, not counting Benjamin's warriors. Before the battle, the Israelites went to Bethel and asked God, which tribe should go first to attack the people of Benjamin? 
The Lord answered, Judah is to go first. So the Israelites left early the next morning and camped near Gibeah. Then they advanced toward Gibeah to attack the men of Benjamin. But Benjamin, Benjamin's warriors, who were defending the town, came out and killed 22,000 Israelites on the battlefield that day. But the Israelites encouraged each other and took their positions again at the same place they had fought the previous day. For they had gone up to Bethel and wept in the presence of the Lord until evening. They had asked the Lord, should we fight against our relatives from Benjamin? Where's the fasting? It says wept there. It says fasting in the King James, I'm guessing. Oh, there it is, 26. They wept before the Lord until evening. They had asked the Lord, should we fight against our relatives from Benjamin again? And the Lord had said, go out and fight against them. So the next day, they went out again to fight against the men of Benjamin. But the men of Benjamin killed another 18,000 Israelites, all of whom were experienced with the sword. Then all the Israelites went up to Bethel and wept in the presence of the Lord and fasted. Interesting. So they went up the first time with no fasting, defeat. They went the second time and wept. Let me make sure I get this right. They, they wept in the presence of the Lord until evening. And they said, should we fight again? The Lord said, go out and fight against them. And they died again, another 18,000. Then verse 26, then all the Israelites went up to Bethel and wept in the presence of the Lord and fasted. So I want you to write that down, and fasted. Verse 26 is the first time you have the fasting mixed in. Interesting. One time they just go out and attack in their own strength. Defeat. They attack again the second day after weeping in the presence of the Lord. Defeat. The next time they go to the temple and fast. And they also brought burnt offerings and peace offerings to the Lord. So up until verse 26, there was no fasting and there was no giving. I mean, I, I'm only intending to teach. On, I, did, I did money all day yesterday, so I'm only intending to teach on the fasting and prayer aspect. But you can't leave out what's there. They also brought burnt offerings and peace offerings to the Lord. And I want you to write, fasted until evening. Judges 20, 26, fasted until evening. So you don't have to feel bad about a, 20, a six to six fast. You know, people feel like they're not doing like a, a real fast. Other people, I'll tell you, maybe there might not be anything I despise more than the fasting police. I remember one time my cousin Ted Shuttlesworth Jr. and I, we were ministering around here and um, a minister came in to visit to, to hear us preach or he was traveling through. Actually, I don't even think he was in the service. I think he was preaching nearby somewhere and he asked if we would be okay to meet up with him for lunch or, or for uh, like a late night meal after we had all finished preaching. Teddy was doing praise and worship. And I was preaching. So we went to go meet with him. And um, we never said anything about fasting. He wanted to meet up, so we met up. I think we met up at like an Eaton Park. And Teddy and I both ordered, um, like I wouldn't do it now, but we had like a caramel latte. And uh, at Eaton Park with whipped cream and mixed the whipped cream into the hot drink. And it dissolved. So just a little something. We are eating nothing. And, he, and so we order that, and we're drinking it, and he goes, oh, so that's allowed on the fast, with his big belly hanging over his belt. You know, it's amazing how, how people that don't fast will knock fasting. Then when you do any kind of fasting, they give you a hard time about it. Isn't that like your second orange juice today? Yeah. Sorry. 
I know you haven't had two orange juices. I'm sure you'll get a special less orange juice crown in heaven. So doing it, you would not catch me. If you were with me, like any of you that are watching me, I wouldn't be like policing what you're having. Obviously, if you were saying you're fasting, you had a cheeseburger. But I'm saying do the fast and pray. That's the thing. And then the more you do it, like Adalis did seven days water with salt in it and, and did fine. I don't know that I could do that. But she never said anything to me watching me have like uh, tomato broth after I finished preaching. Oh, so you're having that? I thought we were supposed to be fasting. Don't be like that. And don't let, pe- don't let people make you feel bad that you're, oh, you're doing six to six. When I used to fast, we had no food, no water. Sometimes we'd have a little water. Okay, great. We're all, we're all very proud of you. You've amounted to nothing in life. No one knows who you are. But that's great. I'm glad you, you were able to starve yourself those days. Anybody have to put up with that at any point in life besides me? Just do the fast. And, and we've been saying, yeah, there is, fasting is a thing. You can't, you can't bend the rules to where you're, 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 you're consuming 2,000 calories or eating food. We've already knocked that enough. But when you're doing it and having liquid and it's 6 a.m. to 6 p.m. and somebody feels the need to monitor you, whether the broth is thin enough broth or how many juices you've had or that kind of thing. I mean, what, what was that caramel latte me and Teddy had? 180 calories at the most. I mean, it was a small cup at Eaton Park. It was, it was probably 120 calories. I well, thought you guys were supposed to be fasting. Yeah. I'll tell you one thing I'm not fasting. Reaching across the table and punching you in the face. I'm not fasting that. I wish Teddy was on with me because I'm sure he remembers. Yeah. How about I throw my broth in your face? Sarah from Orange County said. Anyway. Sorry for I'm in a little bit of a bad mood from not having eaten it in the 90s. Oh, Stephanie, I'm guessing, looked it up. 96 calories. And whipped cream, I think, is like five calories, as much as it seems like it, it, it's more. So, so, I mean, 96 calories, that's less than orange juice. That would be like half of what orange juice is. Whatever. We just preach, like, and back then, I mean, I, I'll preach long now, but back then I used to preach, like, super long and really let it rip. You're going to give me a heart. As you can see, I'm still not over it. It was like seven years ago. I need to, like, go to therapy. Jonathan, show me on the doll where the other preacher hurt you when he made, when he made those comments. All right, back to the Bible. Judges 20, 26. So the main point before I got all carried away was I wanted you to see this is a Bible fast. I heard another preacher knocked me one time. He goes, Jonathan has all these, pre- these Christians doing a Muslim fast morning till evening. No, sorry, uh, you don't know this part of the Bible, but it started here. And this is way before Islam. Islam started in around 700 AD. This is BC in Judges. They fasted from morning until evening. That's where we get six to six from. And again, to remind you, that's what the redeemed Christian church of God is doing. 6 a.m. to 6 p.m. So it's not some. not only is it in Judges, it's not something Revival Today Church does or our ministry does. We're following the largest denomination in the world. 19,000 churches, millions of people all over the world that are on this fast with you. Marcy said, I think the fasting police deep down feel guilty that they don't fast, so they try to make others feel bad too. That's exactly what it is. So the next 26, then all the Israelites went up to Bethel and wept in the presence of the Lord and fasted until evening. They also brought burnt offerings and peace offerings to the Lord. Now what happened? So they lost the first two times. Then the the Israelites went up seeking direction from the Lord. In those days, the Ark of the Covenant of God was in Bethel, and Phinehas, son of Eliezer and grandson of Aaron, was the priest. The Israelites asked the Lord, Should we fight against our relatives from Benjamin again, or should we stop? The Lord said, Go. Tomorrow I will hand them over to you. 
Now that's different. God never said he would hand them over to him. He just told them where to attack. But he never gave, he never told him he'd give him victory and then didn't before that, right? I'm going to look back. All right, let's read again. 18. Before the battle, the Israelites went to Bethel and asked God, which tribe should go first to attack the people of Benjamin? Judah's to go first. But they didn't win. Then they encouraged each other, took their positions, went up to Bethel and wept in the presence of the Lord. They asked the Lord, should we fight against our relatives from Benjamin? And the Lord said, go out and fight against them. Yep. But he never told him he'd give him victory. So it was like they were getting partial information. Benjamin, uh, Benjamin should go first, or Judah should go first. Judah should go first. You should continue to fight against them. But the victory was released. Now, you're doing 21 days, 6 a.m. to 6 p.m. They did one day, 6 a.m. to 6 p.m., and where they were having problems before and could not experience victory they what happened the lord told them this time not only what they should do i'll i will hand them over to you i will hand them over to you so the israelites set an ambush all around gibeah 29 30 they went out on the third day and took their positions at the same place as before. When the men of Benjamin came out to attack, they were drawn away from the town. And as they had done before, they began to kill the Israelites. About 30 Israelites died in the open fields and along the roads, one leading to Bethel and the other leading back to Gibeah. Then the warriors of Benjamin shouted, We're defeating them as we did before. But the Israelites had planned in advance to run away so that the men of Benjamin would chase them along the roads and be drawn away from their town. When the main group of Israelite warriors reached Baal Tamar, they turned and took up their positions. Meanwhile, the Israelites hiding in ambush to the west of Gibeah jumped up to fight. There were 10,000 elite Israelite troops who advanced against Gibeah. The fighting was so heavy that Benjamin didn't realize the impending disaster. So the Lord helped Israel defeat Benjamin, and that day the Israelites killed 25,100 of Benjamin's warriors, all of whom were experienced swordsmen. Then the men of Benjamin saw that they were beaten. So where they didn't have success before, God gave them success. They, they won the battle. They lost 30 men. And Benjamin lost 25,100. Complete reversal. Let's read the rest. I'm just curious what happens. The Israelites had retreated from Benjamin's warriors in order to give those hiding in ambush more room to maneuver against Gibeah. Then those who were hiding rushed in from all sides and killed everyone in the town. Yo. They had arranged to set up. Remember these stories when, when some United States government official says, we're going to go over and install democracy in the Middle East. Eh. I don't know if you're going to be able to do it. It's a little bit of a different place. They had arranged to set up a large cloud of smoke from the town as a signal. When the Israelites saw the smoke, they turned and attacked Benjamin's warriors. At that time, Benjamin's warriors had killed about 30 Israelites, and they shouted, We're defeating them as we did in the first battle. But when the warriors of Benjamin looked behind them and saw the smoke rising into the sky from every part of the town, the men of Israel turned and attacked. At this point, the men of Benjamin became terrified because they realized disaster was close at hand. So they turned around and fled before the Israelites toward the wilderness. But they couldn't escape the battle, and the people who came out of the nearby towns were also killed. The Israelites surrounded the men of Benjamin and chased them relentlessly, finally overtaking them east of Gibeah. That day, 18,000 of Benjamin's strongest warriors died in battle. The survivors fled into the wilderness toward the Rock of Ramon, but Israel killed 5,000 of them along the road. They continued the chase until they had killed another 2,000 near Gidom. So that day, the tribe of Benjamin lost 25,000 strong warriors armed with swords, leaving only 600 men who escaped to the Rock of Ramon, where they lived for four months. And the Israelites returned and slaughtered everything in the, all the towns, the people, the livestock, and everything they found.
They also burned down all the towns that they came to. So they were not happy. So that's an interesting story in many ways. Attack number one, try number one, no success. Even though they had some guidance from the Lord. Now think of this, because when you read this story, if you've been in the church world for any period of time, you've heard that kind of thing. You know, the Lord told me. Now you think if you talk to them in Judges 20, what would they have said? I don't understand why we lost. The Lord told us, send Judah out first, and we lost. And I know we heard from God. So thankfully, they didn't quit. Now they not only ask God for direction, they go into more intense time in his presence. They're they're weeping before the Lord. And the Lord gives them further instructions, which were, what happened the second time? Should we fight again? Yes, you should continue to fight. You're on the right track, but you don't have the victory. And they lose again. Attack, forward advancement, no success. And then the third time, what do they mix in? This time, they fasted in the presence of the Lord. From morning until evening. Now, let me, let me say this about the presence of the Lord, and let me see what it says specifically. Yeah, they went to Bethel. That's where the temple was. Judges, or Second uh, uh, Chronicles 20. Amen, Molly. I'm, I'm, I'm believing with you. Second Chronicles 20, they all stood before the temple and in, in, in the temple and fasted. Here at Bethel, they fasted. This does not happen much because of the way the algorithms work. They don't show it. Um, they don't show these broadcasts to people. It's like the YouTube algorithms know not only that you're a Christian, they know what kind of Christian you are. So you notice we don't even have like Christians from other sects, S-E-C-T-S, that would like that don't like prosperity or don't like the power of the Holy Ghost, they don't even come in here much. But every once in a while, like yesterday, when I was talking about finances, you had somebody say, churches aren't about buildings, and you, you, know, you guys waste all your money on buildings. You don't read that in the Bible. First of all, you do read it in the Bible. Secondly, that person said, we should just meet in people's homes. Well, I have a question for you. Number one, would you consider a home a building? So even under the way you believe, there has to be a building and property. Number two, you can have three people come into your home to meet, but if you have more than that, there's been court cases, I believe in California, where it violates homeowners association rules. If you start having 40, okay, like let's say last night, Rodney Howard Brown was here. We had 500, what was the final number? 567 in there, roughly. 567 people came to hear Rodney Howard Brown. If I do that at my house, 585. Do you think we're going to have complaints? Where is everybody going to park? And if they called the police, the police are going to side with whoever called because you're not allowed to have 600 people gather in a home unless it's a 1980s movie house party. You can't have 400 cars parked in a residence. That's right, Jeff. So when these people say that, it doesn't even make any sense. Yeah, let's say you do start a home group. You should outgrow a house. We've outgrown this building. Bishop David Oyedepo outgrew a 50,000-seater. God's a God of increase. So eventually, you are going to have to have all these anti-building, anti-church real estate people. I don't think their brains work right. It's not even a doctrinal question. Where would you put the people?
Well, you could have them meet in many homes. You could have many small groups. Oh, yeah, you have 5,000 people. How's Bishop Oedepo going to have many small groups? 400,000 people come to worship on Sunday. You're going to get uh, 40,000 people to volunteer to get 10 per home? You're out of your mind. And the Bible does tell in the book of Acts that there were many times all the believers were gathered with their voices lifted in prayer. Not they were all gathered in different homes all over the city. There's to be a coming together of the saints. How many of you were here last night and, and, and got the benefit of that? It's awesome to be in a packed building in the presence of God. There's nothing like it. I'm sure it was nice to watch the service last night with four other people in your house on YouTube if you couldn't make it. But it's not like being there. The corporate anointing's a real thing. And I want you to know, they all didn't go and go fast all by themselves. They all, after getting defeated, they all regrouped together and fasted and prayed. Why go backwards in our generation? There's been great churches built all over the world for 2,000 years. Why are we going to have a generation of dummies in our, in our group? We don't need building. You notice that? You notice young people. And when I say young, I'm saying that the pastors, my age and younger, don't own anything. They all lease and rent their homes. And I'm leasing a home. But I'm not leasing a church. I, I, well, we outgrew and we're, we're, we're paying rent at another facility. But I, I do have a place. Building ownership and land ownership belongs to the children of God. The righteous shall possess the land. Remember during the COVID lockdowns, it didn't matter. Rodney Howard Brown would have been forced to shut his church down, believing exactly like he does if he rented that building. If your landlord... One of the stuff shut down for COVID, it didn't matter what you as the tenant wanted. Who's the one that's big on you'll own nothing and be happy? The World Economic Forum. So I, my question is, why is your theology the same as the World Economic Forum? We should all be renters. First of all, for you to be a renter, someone has to be an owner. So why are you allowing other people to own things, but you as the child of God to not own things? What's well, a waste of kingdom resources? No, it's not. God certainly didn't think it was a waste of kingdom resources to build a temple made out of the finest wood and then to overlay the wood with the finest gold. What's the point of even using the finest wood that no one's ever going to see because you're covering it with gold? The righteous shall possess the land. People should rent from you. You say, I and if you don't know how that'll happen, join the club. I was in the same boat. But you want to know how it started happening? Seeing it in Psalm 37, that land ownership belonged to the children of God. And from the day I did that study, Psalm 37. Good for you, Jonathan. He said, God, God gave me a deal on land. I paid $8,000. Pastor Bob Rogers from Louisville, Kentucky, I'm going to tell you what he told me on the phone. He didn't even know what I prophesied. He said, let me tell you something. If a Christian doesn't own a house by the end of this year, it's just because they don't want one. That's how strong it is in his spirit. This is time for the righteous to possess the land. Land ownership belongs to the children of God. Everybody God ever made a covenant with, he gave them land. No, I disagree. Clint said, remember, if you pay taxes on it, you don't own the land. Remember that. I disagree. Want me to tell you a story? There was a man who refused to pay taxes on his land in Maui when I was starting the church. So they sent two IRS agents to go take the land from him. When the two IRS agents got there, there were 400 Hawaiian men standing at the border of the property like this, and the two IRS agents went back in their car and left and never came back. Don't, don't bring your defeatist ideology into, into our ministry. I'm not a defeatist. 
well, actually, you don't really own anything. The government, they can invoke eminent domain and, and take it all from you. No, no, they can't. Not from me, maybe from you, not from me. And I'm not telling you not to pay taxes on your land. I'm just telling you what I saw with my own eyes happened in Hawaii. What's on paper and what someone can actually do are two different things. The righteous shall possess the land and shall dwell in it forever. Because, and the reason I'm, I'm battering that school of thought is then, it, that's what keeps people from advancing. And well, you know, you don't, ever, you don't ever actually own anything anyway. One of the things that COVID, the COVID lockdowns should have shown you is that there is power in ownership and in fighting back. Because they had Tons of plans of what they wanted to do in America, and they all failed because the people wouldn't put up with it. So if you adopt the other type of viewpoint, well, you know, they, they could take it from us at any time. No, they can't. I have freedom, and I'm not giving it up, and nobody can take it from me. Same with land and property. Good morning, Pastor. How are you? I have land for sale in Quebec near the New York border. I know, Kenny yelled. I met you this time last year. You came down for prayer and fasting from Canada. Great guy. Tepo said, as Christians, we must own land. Absolutely. I have a Jewish friend. He was talking to me about how important it is for our ministry to own land. He goes, you need to own land. So I didn't tell him, yes, I know that I preach. I like hearing what people, I had never heard anyone tell me that before. You just hear me saying it. So when he said that to me, I said, tell me why you say that. Because I wanted to hear his perspective. He said, well, all I can tell you, listen to this now. He said, all I can tell you is that growing up in synagogue, when the, the rabbi taught us, that the Egyptians would not let us own land. Then God broke us out of that and gave us our own land. And from now on, we should never allow ourselves to go back in the situation we were in Egypt, where Egypt owned everything and could treat us any way they wanted. We must own our own land. I said, because he had told me before that he pretty much, he went to synagogue when he was young. So I said, how old were you when they taught you this? Listen to this. I said, how old were you when they taught you this, he said, seven. What a difference to be teaching seven-year-olds. You need to own land. And then if you're a Christian, they have a problem with it at 57. I don't know. You know, you can, I don't know why you have to spend all that money. You're going to spend the money one way or the other. You're either going to buy the property and rent it out or you're going to spend the money on rent. Why not be in control? Amy said, Jew, Jew, Jewish people don't rent. It's anti-covenant. She's right. I heard Jerry Seinfeld say that. You've heard me tell that story a bunch of times. Colin Quinn, the other uh, the Irish comedian from New York, when they both moved out to Los Angeles. He said, what apartment did you rent? He said, I bought that apartment. He said, what do you mean bought the apartment? And Jerry Seinfeld said, Jews don't rent. I want you to write down, I don't rent. Let's read some other scriptures. Now that I'm wound up about this thing. Let me find the scriptures I was talking about with a friend of mine.
I'm reading this without knowing specifically what it says. Go to Romans 11, 17 to 23. Romans 11, 17 to 23. But some of these branches from Abraham's tree, some of the people of Israel have been broken off. And you Gentiles who were branches from a wild olive tree, have been grafted in. So now you also receive the blessing God has promised Abraham. Remember, obviously the author of this is the Holy Ghost. But he wrote through men and women. And the man that he's writing through is Paul, who considered himself an elite Jew, trained under the best rabbis. And he's writing this to Italians, telling them about the gospel. You Gentiles, that's non-Jewish people, were grafted into this tree. So now you also receive the blessing God has promised Abraham and his children, sharing in the rich nourishment from the root of God's special olive tree. But you must not brag about being grafted in to replace the branches that were broken off. You are just a branch not the root. Well, you say those branches were broken off to make room for me. Yes, but remember, those branches were broken off because they didn't believe in Christ. And you are there because you do believe. So don't think highly of yourself, but fear what could happen, for if God did not spare the original branches, he won't spare you either. Write this down. I have been grafted in, grafted in. I have no no, um, experience working with trees. But you take a branch, if you successfully graft it to a tree, it becomes a part of that tree. The Bible deals with adoption. Let me see, let me see if I can find it in Galatians. Galatians 3, 13 and 14. But Christ has redeemed us from all the curse of the law. When he was hung on the cross, he took upon himself the curse for our wrongdoing. For it is written in the scriptures, cursed is everyone who's hung on a tree. Through Christ Jesus, God has blessed the Gentiles with the same blessing he promised to Abraham. God has blessed the Gentiles with the same blessing. So we don't teach that Gentile people have replaced Jewish people. But we are grafted in and share the same blessing. And Paul said in Romans, Jew and Gentiles are the same, that if you reject Christ, God will cut that branch off because Christ is God's son. You can't reject the son and receive the father. God has blessed the Gentiles with the same blessing. Write those two words down. Same blessing. That he promised Abraham so that we who are believers might receive the promised Holy Spirit through faith. Now, if you go through... um, I don't have the statistics in front of me, but if you were going to take the average Christian salary and the average Jewish person's salary, I've seen it before that it's not even in the same ballpark. So let me ask you a question. If a Gentile, and a, if a Gentile Christian and a Jewish person have the same blessing, why does one walk in it and the other doesn't walk in it? My people are destroyed for a lack of what? 
So you have seven-year-old Jewish children being taught the importance of land ownership, and you have 17, 21-year-old Christians in Bible school being taught that money's not important, land's not important, buildings aren't important. So they can't function in the blessing because they don't believe in it, they don't, and they don't have the wisdom. They've never studied the Bible. I mean, that's not a bad revelation that that rabbi gave to my friend. The, the Egyptians wouldn't let us own land. Then God gave us land. We should never allow ourselves to go back in the situation we were in Egypt. That's, that would that, be a great sermon. But I, I wasn't taught that. You know what I was taught? The only financial instruction I received growing up in church was, I'm talking practical instruction, was to make sure to get a good credit score because that way you can apply for a loan. Anybody besides me, the only instruction you got from your parents had to do with a credit score and, and you know, you actually need to get in some debt because if you're not in some debt, then you can't get credit, which none of those are scriptures, by the way. They're actually fly in the face of the, of the scriptures. Oh, that's awesome, Kenny. Anybody besides me? You were just taught to be a part of the credit system as a Christian? No one ever outlined, no, no, man. We're the seed of Abraham. We belong owning. As soon as the word on that came to me in Psalm 37 about land ownership, we had two properties within two years after I did that broadcast with no mortgages. Kenio said, I never got any instructions. And that, that would be, you either got wrong instruction as a Gentile Christian, you're either given wrong instruction about money or no instruction about money as a whole. And then if anyone gave proper instruction about finances, what were they branded? You tell me. If someone ever did teach this stuff, what, what would they say about him? I'm interested to hear what you write. Oh, he's a blank. She's a blank. She's one of those what? Prosperity preacher Daniel said, Prosperity preacher Gina said, Prosperity preacher. Worldly. Yep, I heard that. Prosperity teacher. Blab it and grab it, Christians. I heard that. Prosperity teachers just after your money. You know, it's interesting, too, because I've been on both sides of the fence, because I grew up in anti-prosperity churches. I'll tell you, an anti-prosperity ministry takes more time and puts more pressure on you for an offering than in the, in the word of faith or prosperity crowd. You, like, you coming on Friday night, you're not going to feel any pressure to give in a Jesse Duplantis meeting. None. And then they'll say, well, th those guys want your money. But then when you're in their meetings, I was at, you know, the, the Bible college I went to that was anti-prosperity, taught against prosperity for an entire chapel, and then said, now, before we close, we have a $3 million need on our campus right now that we, we need a financial miracle. We need all students that can sacrifice their giving, all the teachers... You know, one time the, the president said, I'm foregoing my salary for the rest of this year to donate. I would encourage all the other teachers to do the same. I w I've never been put under pressure like that, under full gospel or prosperity people, ever. They come with an overflowing cup. They teach you how to get an overflowing cup. They give you an opportunity to sow seed. Pastor Rodney just had $10.3 million extra Come in in less than a year to go build that building cash. When did you ever feel any pressure? I never felt any. And the Bible says, don't give reluctantly in response to pressure. I don't know how to put people under any more pressure than tell them, 
You have a multi-million dollar need that if, if it's not paid by a certain time. Uh, and that's what you hear from the anti-prosperity people. And all you hear from prosperity people is what's available to you in the Bible and then the conditions to receive it, which is sowing and reaping, which is not false theology. Write those two words down again. Same blessing. Through Christ Jesus, God has blessed the Gentiles with the same blessing he promised Abraham. Does Abraham's blessing include land ownership? Did God ever turn land over to Abraham? Sure did. So I want you to write down a land act. A land acquisition anointing is on my life. I was looking at land on my way in, into the office today, to the studio. A real estate lady told me about a piece of property that it's not for sale, but it's been empty, and it's, that business is not there. It's a nice location. I could see it from the highway. It's near where a Dallas pointed six or seven years ago and said God's going to Give us land over there for our ministry. I'm looking. Believe it in your heart. Confess it with your mouth. And then look with your eyes. And then put your feet on the ground. I want you to write four things down. Heart. Mouth. Eyes. Feet. Those are the four things you engage. Heart. Next to heart, right? Believe. Mouth, right, confess. I have a land acquisition anointing on my life. Eyes, right, look. Everyone who seeks, find. If you want to write look slash seek, seek. Now that you know it, look around. Abraham, look. For as the stars of the sky are, so, so shall your descendants be. Look at the sand. Get a picture. And then look at actual land. There's going to be properties coming up left and right in this calendar year. So look. Feet. Walk on. Get your feet on the ground. Once you find a place, go meet with somebody. See what happens. That's how this building came. Adalas felt it in her spirit, sent Pastor Sammy over to put his feet on the ground. She believed it. She spoke it. She saw it. I have a feeling in my spirit about that property. And then she sent someone to put their feet on the ground. And the owner was there. And the owner said, are you thinking of buying this property? Well, I'm, I, I'm with a ministry and my boss just sent me to come, put, to come take a look, put my feet on the ground. Oh, I just prayed that God would help me unload this building. I believe you're an answer to prayer. Give God an opportunity to do something for you. Not in your living room. Putting your feet on the ground is faith in action. When God did a miracle to get me that Cadillac Escalade that I tell about back at 10 years ago, pull in there. Get your feet on the ground. And I'll, I'll tell you this too. When you get your feet on the ground, now you think, because you've been trained as a Gentile Christian, that the way you, you get favor is by... People feeling sorry for you. Were you guys interested in this building? Well, I'd love to in our dreams, but we couldn't afford anything like this. People don't like that. Carry yourself like you're a child of God because you are a child of God. Listen to me. Carry yourself like a child of God, like you are the son of the Most High God, which you are. We are sons and daughters. I'm not saying you're the Messiah. I'm saying you... We are sons and daughters. If, if you were the son of the king of England, how would you walk? If you were the daughter of the queen of England, how would you walk? 
I can't afford it. I don't know how we would ever do it. No, you'd, you'd strut. And just like you don't have in your bank your full inheritance from God, neither do, neither do the, the sons and daughters of the kings and queens. It's, it's their inheritance. It's being held up for them. But they certainly know their father and mother have the ability to make happen. If they told their father, I want that, their father would make it happen, though they don't have it personally. Love you in France. Glad you're watching. So it's not you having the ability personally to make it happen. But you're going to irritate God and you're going to irritate the people who do own the things when you, when you talk poor. I don't know how we'll ever afford that. No one likes that. Deborah said, I'm not criticizing church at all because they are productive in saving souls in prayer. I feel they have seen religious abuse. Can you scroll up? It just refreshed. I'll just finish it. And maybe that's why they don't deal with the money part because they've seen people abuse it. It's not an excuse. There's healing ministers that have done wrong. You still deal with healing. You, you deal with it right. The way to fix what's wrong is to do it right, not to avoid the subject. The two greatest scandals that ever happened in Christianity in the last hundred years in America were by salvation preachers. So what do we say? Well, I'm not going to do evangelistic crusades anymore because people have seen other guys that did that and um, they fell, so I'm just going to kind of stay away from that. No, correct it and do it right. Heart. Believe it in your heart. It's in the Bible. Let me, let me read the other part of Galatians 3 I was going to read. Galatians 3.26. For you are all children of God through faith in Christ Jesus. And all who have been united with Christ in baptism have put on Christ like putting on a new garment. There is no longer Jew or Gentile. Slave or free, male or female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. And now that you belong to Christ, you are the true seed of Abraham or the true children of Abraham. You are his heirs, and God's promise to Abraham belongs to you. You are his heirs, and everything God promised Abraham belongs to you. Let me read King James. Just to see if there's anything even further brought out. Twenty-eight. There is Galatians three twenty-eight. There is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither bond nor free. There is neither male nor female. For ye are all one in Christ Jesus. And if ye be Christ, then you are Abraham's seed, and heirs according to the promise. Any notes by Mister Dick? So I've mentioned this before. It's amazing because in those anti, yeah, that's a good word. Um, Charlene and, and uh, Charles said they would call preachers that talked on those things materialistic. But material matters. Building material matters. Transportation material matters. I've noticed we, I think we have our own vans now to transport people to church that don't have rides. You need that. There's people that want to go to church that don't have vehicles. That takes material. And the Bible deals with material wealth. So I don't even know. He's materialistic. Now, if, if, you, if, if gaining things is your goal, then yeah, you have a problem. But to exclude material increase from the gospel is wrong. I like that, Robert. 
Psalm 111, verse 5. He hath given meat unto them that fear him. He will ever be mindful of his covenant. He, in verse 6, he has showed his people the power of his works that he may give them the heritage of the heathen. Psalm 111, 5 and 6. So even in the anti-prosperity crowd, they, um, well, the Jewish people are blessed. Oh, that guy's rich. He's a Jewish businessman. So they recognize that Jewish people are God's chosen people and carry something on them to acquire land and wealth. And the Bible says the same thing that God put on the seed of Abraham, when you come in through Christ and are born again, you're, you're grafted into that tree and you share the same blessing that God put on Abraham. So, man, I, you know, it, it really is ignorance. I've never, I, I, as I told you, this is like the fourth time I've told you, I grew up around anti-prosperity anti Pentecostal Gentiles. And, they, and even they went, well, the Jewish people are blessed. Well, you are too. With, and not with a different blessing, with the same blessing. Mary said they're blessed even though they don't recognize the New Testament. You know what I've, I've noticed is you can do more in life completely believing the first five books of the Bible than sort of believing all 66, which is what your average Christian does, but not in this group. Everybody write in the comments, not me. You should say it out loud, not me. I believe the whole thing. I believe the salvation part. I believe the victory over sin part. I believe the dominion over sickness and disease and death part. I believe the power over the devil part. I believe the seated with Christ in heavenly places part. I believe the one with Christ part in him. And I believe, not only do I believe in prosperity, I break it down. It, to me, it's not just some big umbrella of prosperity. I've read what the Bible has to say about land ownership. I've read what it has to say about multiplication of my money. The whole thing. If you think it's not literal, then you haven't hung around the right people. Look at Rodney Howard Brown. He's even getting the cattle parts. He's a South African living in Florida that now has a cattle ranch. Because even the cow, the flocks and herds multiplying has come upon him. Get in today. I want to challenge you on day nine of this fast. Get in the Bible flow. God has a flow for you. If you'll get out of what the world said is your, how, and get into God's flow, it's not your job to pay for it. It's your job to believe it. And I'll have you write that down as the final thing. It's not my job to pay for it. It's my job to believe it. Believe it. God paid for it. God pays for it. Believe it. Whatever seed you decide to sow today is a land ownership seed. Wherever you put it on the memo, this would not apply to everybody, but there's people watching that you're getting stirred in your spirit about the, the, what, what the Lord put us on today. I'm going to preach more, Lord willing, on Judges 20 tonight at 7 o'clock. Amen. I like what people are writing in the comments. My cousin Teddy was just given a cow or a steer, and, then, and someone offered to house, house the cow for him, however you'd phrase it. And then he was given another one, and he, he got a miracle word brand for the cattle. It, it, the Bible will manifest itself if you don't speak against it. Everybody that sows a seed, if you've not received it yet, I'm sending the 21-day field guide, a 21-day fasting devotional, and a complete guide to biblical fasting. And then those that do the $1,000 level, 
I'm going to send you Understanding the World in Light of Bible Prophecy, my new book, and I'm going to sign it for you. I want to challenge... I want to challenge people, if you're going to do, if the land ownership thing spoke to you, to sow a proper land ownership seed. For me, it was 100000 provoked a $7 million building. What's the two things they mixed in that they had dropped before? Fasting, and they offered sacrifices to the Lord. You're on the fast. Now do this part and watch what happens. I'm going to pray for you before you give, and then we'll put. Manuel said, does the Bible say the reason why the Jewish people are blessed? Because they're the seed of Abraham. Abraham crossed so many bridges with God in his faith that God said, I'm going to bless your descendants forever. That's why. And then Jesus is one of his descendants. We get born again through his blood, born into the, his family. So that's why we become into, into that family. And an adopted child carries the same rights. A legally adopted child carries the same full rights as a, as a child by birth. I like that, Nicole. Let me pray for you. Father, everyone you use this message to speak to today, you said let each person give as directed by the Spirit. So let every person, even if it's for the first time, hear your voice as to what would constitute a seed that would bring them out of borrower, to lender, from renter to owner, tenant to landlord, in Jesus' name. I pray there'd be hundreds of testimonies. Churches who are renting buildings that own their building and parking, Businesses that were renting that are owners. People who were renting that have miracle homes for their family. In Jesus' name. All right, so let's follow the instruction then. I don't just want you given heart, mouth, eyes, feet. I want you to give and then engage those four things. Your heart, your mouth your eyes, and your feet. Is that true, Randy? An adopted child receives a new birth certificate. I didn't even know that. that that's pretty powerful to make that point. Thanks, Deborah. Here's the ways to give. Hey, Alberto, good to see you. I know you. And I want you to write this wherever it has on the form where you can make a note. Land ownership, business acquisition, land acquisition. Have you ever been on a land website? They have some. You can look up what land is for sale. I'm not saying to buy it off of there. I'm just saying. Some people, the only reason they don't own land is they've never looked. They've never, you're never going to have what you don't seek. Seek and you shall find. Heart, mouth, eyes, feet. Add those four steps in. Revivaltoday.com, you click give now. There'll be people that God increases before the 21-day fasting is over. Your harvest will come in off your seed. And uh, God is going to put you in a cash position that in certain places where real estate markets fall 
and it's, it's going down and your money's going up, you're going to be able to move in and pay cash. And you know, if you don't want to use a bank like we don't, God will hook you up with, with sellers that also don't like banks and are happy to work with you. You know that? God can give you a seller who likes you and who likes that you do things the way they do things. We've told people that we've bought things off of. We don't like banks. Us either. So let's work something out. Especially in America. There's lots of people like that. There's the ways to give. Revivaltoday.com. Click give now. If you're on podcast or wherever else you're listening, revivaltoday.com and click give now. Oh, Annette, you don't have to thank me. It's no sacrifice. I enjoy doing this. Thanks, uh, Ninja. After you, make sure to go to... <laughs> Thanks, Charles. Go to um, revivaltoday.com, claim my offer. Make sure you fill that out to, so that we can send you the books we promised. Okay, Alberto. I need land in Pittsburgh so I can move there. I'd love to have you. I'm going to give you more time to give. Um, play the man's testimony from Canada, John and his wife, and then keep the giving information up because I know people are still giving and it's on delay and stuff. And then we'll meet for prayer at 12.05. I've enjoyed our time together today. Remember, prayer, then tonight, 7 o'clock, with yours truly. Adalis is going to be the guest live on um, Ministry Now with Joni Lamb on Daystar tomorrow live. At, uh, on the East Coast, it's noon. And Ted Shuttlesworth Sr., Wednesday night, focus on healing and faith. Love you in Louisiana. And then um, Dr. Jesse Duplantis, 7 p.m., and all-night prayer. Be here for all-night prayer. Everybody that's registered, part of your registration was to commit to come for three days. These would not be bad three days, Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday. Hey, this is Jonathan Shuttlesworth. I want to thank you for listening to my podcast, or if you're listening to my wife's. Thank you on her behalf. If you want to be more than just a casual listener and stand with us as we take the message of the gospel of Jesus Christ to our generation, go to RevivalToday.com and click Give Now and be a part of the 1,000 monthly partners that we're believing for. I have a special gift that I'll send to you today, and I'll say thank you in advance. Until next time, thanks for listening. See you later.